Hey guys, welcome to Content Candy's new, new show. It's kind of an old show. It's uh, Cinema Bias with myself, Video Drew, and Alex Mack. Please enjoy. Check us out wherever you can find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, what have you. Like and rate and leave a review. That's like a thing you can do on podcasts. And make sure to also check out patreon.com backslash video drew to find out ways that you can support this channel, which is growing. Okay, end of thing. I played the wrong credits. I played the. I was like, "Why are they going on for so long?" I was thinking. I was like, "I was not paying attention." Hi guys, welcome to Cinema Bias. Those were the outro credits. But in case you're confused, the show is just starting. Yeah, it's just starting. Definitely not ending. Not okay. ending. What's I was up? incorrect. What's up? How are you doing, Drew? What's up? I'm good. I, I was telling you. Uh, I just got into this Asian, uh, or like, it, it, there's an app that delivers like locally sourced Asian, Mexican, Thai, like cuisine or like stuff from my grocery stores. And I bought a bunch of these jellies and like goods and services that I don't know actually how to cook or like what they are because I like forgot already and they're all in other languages. So I'm just going to eat this and hope that this jelly me is a, oh, this one's kind of in English, is uh, actually black tea, which is what it tastes like. Let's hear. Let's hear the review. It's good. Not, not great, but it's good. It's okay. Black tea. Well, black tea is not meant jelly. to be like super sweet, you know? Yeah, it was. It is kind of sweet. It's like yeah, I bought a lot sweet. of pastries, and I'm I'm excited to try Chinese donuts. But I also, I guess, I bought like a bunch of vegetables, which doesn't sound like me. I think they ordered like gave me some of the wrong delivery because they're like a bunch of vegetables showed up, and I don't eat vegetables. However, mm-hmm. they do have. Maybe I'm going to text Eric to bring it here. They do have the craziest things ever, which I wish I could convey through the phone or through the screen, which is um, cotton candy grapes. Have you even tried yes, those? You can, actually, you can actually get those at most grocery stores nowadays. A lot of grocery stores. You can get a lot of candy grapes, which are the ones that taste like candy, but the cotton candy ones, I feel like are yeah. very hyper-specific and hard to get, at least around I, here. I can get them at my local grocery store, but they are a little bit more expensive, so I usually opt out of them. Yeah, so this, like, apps... This app is pretty good because like it, like the vegetables and fruit are all like really cheap. The meat's like pretty cheap. Like, and it's just nice to try a variety of different stuff, you know, even if it's like not stuff I'm used to, to go outside mm-hmm. my comfort zone. Kind of like this movie, which I have a lot of strong feelings about. This week, guys, we are continuing our age, our golden, our main golden age. I'm so out of it today. Our main golden age of cinema uh, on this episode of Cinema Bias with mm-hmm. James Mangold's 2002, I want to say. Three. 2003 same year as kate and leopold it was i want to say that it was a big year for him but i feel like it wasn't uh this is identity this was the same mm-hmm. year so saying after copland he came out with and girl interrupted he came out with two movies the same year and they were kate and leopold and identity mm-hmm. yikes what yikes, a crazy guys. year for this director i think it's it's just kind of a, it's really fun to see a director where he's just putting it all out there and he's like hey i'll do whatever the fuck you want i'm here to have fun <laughs> i just love creating any movie regardless how ridiculous fun or weird it is and so i kind of like that about him okay well no, this is gonna like be candy grapes not the cotton candy grapes there's too many grapes in this house now it's confusing no. when i say hand me the candy grapes well i'm sure you can find um new ways to use grapes in my case. yeah new cotton candy grapes hey so this movie alex had you known anything about identity before you started watching it 
Honestly, no. This movie came out in my early in, when I was like 13, 14 years old, and I have never heard of it, which is really surprising to me because watching this movie, I was like, this movie feels like it would have definitely come out in the late 90s, early 2000s, which it definitely did, obviously. But this is like this is the time where they're doing a whole bunch of plot twists and then plot twists right around this point when this was released were becoming much more expected everyone's was kind of being like trying to guess the plot twist essentially by this point um but this one in particular is a weird one i did not expect this plot twist guys really? we're gonna spoilers okay just giving you a heads up please if you have not seen the movie cool but we're gonna put in a whole bunch of spoilers in this so get your ass ready so yeah before but yeah i, I want to talk about that because i do want to talk about how this movie trailer ruined the movie for me like i didn't need to go see it i was like oh this is what's gonna happen so that we're gonna get into that in a second we have to talk about the stacked ass cast you know sometimes you watch movies and you're like oh well i guess in retrospect this movie has a stacked cast because look there's like a young john c hawks which this movie does have or like there's a mm -hmm. you know uh so and so and this is before they were famous so of course in retrospect the cast is stacked but at the time they're probably cheap to get mm -mm. not this movie this movie has John Cusack, Ray Liotta, height of her fame, Amanda Peet, McGinley, uh, John McGinley from uh, Scrubs when, when Scrubs was happening. Um, it's got Rebecca De Mornay, who was like super hot back in that moment. Like that was her moment, right? Um, it's got, like, I feel like, oh, Gary Busey or Jake Busey, sorry, the other Busey, the Busey son as the uh, criminal. It's got- I thought it looked familiar. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, Alfred Molina. Alfred Molina's in this one. I know. I was like, what are you doing in here? Ah, Mr. Doc Ock, hey. I feel like I've gotten a question wrong about this specific thing before because I forgot that Alfred Molina was in this movie. It is a nuts stackety stack cast for 2003. Um, mm -hmm. And it is, do you notice who played the, the 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 crazy guy, I guess, or the guy with the... Uh, Our main man from Heavy. Our main dude from Heavy. Our main mm -hmm. dude from Heavy, whose name I'm forgetting, but I know I feel bad. He's a he's a he's a character actor. He does. He, he does mostly. Well. Yeah, he's in mostly like horror movies. He's in The Devil's Candy, a couple other Thrillers. things. Yeah. Um. So Alex, you knew there was you you thought there was gonna be some sort of twist, or like were you just kind of watching this as a straightforward? Um, I honestly thought there was gonna be some dark twist going into it, just because it's a thriller and considering a lot of the movies that John Cusack in particular is attracted to, I'm thinking of 1408, movies like that. And I was like, yeah, there has to be a, like some kind of twist. Again, this is the era of the twist. We got Fight Club, we got Seven, we have Sixth Sense and it, it was, I don't want to say it was at its height because that's kind of ridiculous because uh, as long as movies have been around, uh, uh, dark twists have always been a thing, obviously. But I, there came a point, I feel like, during this point in the late 90s, early 2000s, where everyone was trying to one-up each other. <laughs> and um, obviously, and Nice Shalomans movies, all of his movies is like, guess the twist before the end, essentially. When is it going to drop? And I just felt like, considering the cast, considering the actors involved, and how right, writing-focused Mangold is, he must have had a lot of fun writing a thriller like this. So it had to have some kind of plot twist, at least in my mind going into it. What do you, what do you think going into it? Well, here's the premise of this movie that is explained pretty much in the trailer. I'll tell you what the trailer tells you and then see like where I... Well, I think the way I do about this movie, the, the trailer tells you this is an Agatha Christie kind of like a bunch of people get stuck in a uh, in a motel during a flood or like a storm. Uh, we know that there's secondarily a serial killer who's being uh, tried for or about to be put to execution. Um, and they're waiting for him to arrive in this whole separate location where there is also currently a storm. Uh, these people, uh, John Cusack is the limo driver who arrives with this actress. There's a recently married couple in from Vegas. There's the guy who runs the motel. There's a family whose uh, wife has gotten hit by uh, John Cusack, who's the limo driver, but also was beforehand a cop. There's uh, an actual cop, uh, Kupleila Ray Liotta, who's transporting Jake Busey, who is a criminal. 
there is uh, a bunch of people and they're all just stuck at this motel waiting for the storm to pass, but also getting picked off one by one by somebody. Maybe somebody within the group, maybe the serial killer that we've been waiting for on this other side of the story. Now, <laughs> fair enough. Great premise. You're not going to guess the twist from that. In the trailer for the movie, they have John Cusack holding up his, his fucking driver's license and going, wait, do we all have the same birthday? And there's another character going, look, our last names all correspond to states. And I was like, oh, are they just, is this one guy? Are we just watching one guy? We're just watching one dude's mind? Because why would you tell the audience, this is an, this is information that is conveyed in the third part of the film. Like, you don't find out they, they share the same birthday until, like, basically when John Cusack realizes he's just a figment of some guy's, uh, or facet of some guy's imagination. Mm -hmm. Why would they give that away in the trailer? It was so weird. Yeah, I, I didn't watch the trailer going into it, but I'm a little disappointed to hear that that's what they did. That's the, <laughs> that's the plot twist. The direction they really wanted to go with. <laughs> so people say that like trailers spoil things. I'm usually mm -hmm. like, no, we're like a smart audience and producers know that they, they mislead you a lot of times into thinking you know plot twists. And yeah. then you go and see the movie and you're like, what? Like, that's, like, basically what the thing is now. But I guess in, like, the early aughts, like, we were still so new on plot twists that the film basically had to say, this is a plot twist movie, and here's how you know. Here's the twist, like, in the trailer. Perhaps the thought process behind the whole birthdays and um, states and everything was more that... Well, it was perhaps it was more that it's going to make it seem more like a traditional mystery, essentially. Like, how are we all connected? Da, da, da. Um, but they all should say birthday. That kind of noir situation. Because, I mean, well, this movie in particular, I do feel like it, it was very noir-inspired, at least aesthetically, you know, between the storms, the cinematography as well. And That's just the, Yeah. Honestly, yeah, I, I do. <laughs> I do think that this it, maybe that was the idea behind creating the trailer to make it more detective focused. Um, but but see, this is my issue. Saying mm -hmm. we all share the same birthday, us random strangers, we're all converging. We share the same birthday, and oh my god, do all our last names correspond to cities in this like in these oh, weird yeah. locations? And that's bringing us out of the world of noir and bringing us into the mm -hmm. world of, at the very least, supernatural. That's saying that there is some convergence here that is is synchronic or like involves synchronicity that like would literally be impossible for a serial killer to like like make happen. Like this is a convening of impossibly unlikely scenarios mm -hmm. to occur. Like a serial killer wouldn't be able to get people who all share the same birthday to well, like, that never actually occurred to me to be honest that there could potentially be some kind of supernatural element or anything like that. Personally, it was just more like. It just has haven't explained how it was lined up. Okay. I want to so. hear from Jake and Max in the comments. What do you guys like about this movie? I mean, there's a lot of, like, anti-horror stuff. I mean, like, this whole movie is just, like, it ends with, like, horror and, like, begins with, like, them calling this one character, like, a horror and, like, a lot of themes of, like, horrishness. That's weird and gross. Um, I guess the, the hero is supposed to be... The good guy is supposed to be John Cusack, but John Cusack during this period of time and going forward throughout eternity would forever kind of be like, I don't know. He's no longer like the cute young John Cusack that we fell in love yeah. with. He's now this kind of like older, cynical, like a little bit angrier John Cusack that we know today. Mm -hmm. He definitely, he's at the point of this very big transition of his career. He started doing a lot more thrillers, uh, some... Uh, some courtroom dramas like Runaway Jury. He did it right. He did it um right before, right after. Maybe. I think I would I would say Con Air is like literally the last movie where you can find John Cusack like not like mm -hmm. I don't know pugnacious. I guess maybe is the word. Like he just seems real yeah. punchy. Yeah, I mean he did adaptation. He did he did some like very meta he films. He, was being, he was in Being John Malkovich. He wasn't adaptation. That was Nick Cage. That wasn't. That wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't being. He he wasn't being John Malkovich in '99, mm -hmm. uh, for sure. It's. But also, I actually really like him in America's Sweethearts. That really incredibly meta <laughs> rom com, <laughs> which mm -hmm. I appreciated. Wait, is, is Nerf just trying to troll us? Like Predator, this movie Midsummer. It's just trying to troll Jake with Midsummer. He's trying to troll me with uh. This movie, you hate Predator. It's like maybe it's like per, like personal. 
Like, you I, hate, no, he's trying to do this troll. My question is, who hates Predator in this group? This is like the real identity of the uh, scenario. I don't like yeah, I don't hate Predator. Hey, Nerdconic, who hates Predator? Oh, man, Predator's just a fun movie. movie. Yeah. Are you just doing your real life thoughts, Eric? Because it's terrible. Oh, yeah. I know he, Jake, really, really dislikes Midsommar, which hurts my soul. Which really frustrates my feminist soul. And I'm like, Ah, I described Midsommar as a feminist movie over the weekend. And I think I convinced someone to watch it. It's, it's, to, me, it's, to me, it's incredibly feminist. Um, it's a feminist movie. Aggressively feminist. Aggressively uh, feminist. <laughs> but, um, Put in a bear suit and light it on fire, feminist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, that's, a, that's an entire conversation in and of itself. If we ever cover I'm Midsommar, I'd actually love to have Sabrina uh, Ramirez to come on because I know she also really Mm-hmm. But I also kind of want to. Ha- I would ha- want to have someone that really hates the movie to come on just to just to hear some discourse. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not running a, a schmo Bates. <laughs> I'm not like, <laughs> you know, like Midsummer, or you get off the bandwagon. <laughs> no, when it comes. Well, speaking of which, when it comes to a movie with incredibly different opinions, obviously, I know Drew, you. Like you kind of figured out real quickly, obviously, when it comes. I didn't to this see movie. the movie before I figured it out. Mm-hmm. Well, well, from the like you said with the trailer so going into this movie it kind of, already having the the gist of it did you enjoy it did you have any kind no. of i remember watching this in theaters i also guess sixth sense pretty early on based on a review that like yeah. mentioned that he gets shot in the beginning and then like when they showed it i was like i guess like the fact that they were he was shot and they're they mentioned it in the review like means it's important so i was like i guess he's dead like I was, I was pretty good at putting stuff together. So maybe I'm being a little unfair about, um, about like how, how quickly people were supposed to get the twist here. But I just feel like this one was broadcasted early. I wouldn't mm-hmm. have thought because I thought maybe there was a supernatural angle. I guess that was the thing. I went into it thinking maybe they're all dead. Maybe this mm-hmm. is like hell. Maybe this yeah. is like some Nietzsche no exit thing. Mm-hmm. And I was, um, disappointed what why does that disappoint you is it the idea that it could have been any of any of those options and the fact that it decided to go with the ending that it did was that disappointing or was it just how the performances are disappointing the only person's really like not just phoning it in i feel like is john hawks john c hawks as the uh motel owner slash not the motel owner how this is all supposed to tie into like the guy's personalities too is like a little bit confusing. Like I'm unclear mm-hmm. about who this guy is, why he developed these specific personalities. It's not like in Split where it's like their personalities are so different as to be like interesting. Like there's an old British woman and there's like you know the the young kid and there's and he talks like that. Al, like whatever that guy's name, Alfie. No, whatever the little boy's name is in Split. It's not interesting to watch the multiple personality angle when it's not one person putting on a bunch of different accents and voices, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, that's what makes the portrayal of those things kind of interesting. It's like you're watching an actor transform into a bunch of different characters. Putting it together from the opposite direction of like, here's a bunch of actors who aren't making very specific choices. So if you were watching this movie as Alfred Molina, like if, as a psychiatrist, you would have no idea which persona you were talking to because these people don't have accents. They don't speak differently from one another. They basically all sound like they're the same person anyway. Just some of them are men and some of them are women. Like the cop isn't like a hard-boiled cop who has a catchphrase and the criminal doesn't have like a thing. It's just, it just seems really boring in a weird way. I'm sure it would be easy to to determine who the child is considering he's a child in theory. He doesn't have one freaking line of dialogue. Like I don't think he does at the end. Yeah, he does at the very end. Um, yeah, I on most of the parts, I definitely agree with you. It definitely felt like performance-wise, it definitely felt like a lot of them were really kind of phoning it in. It was still kind of, it was really cool to see Amanda Peet being hot as fuck. I love Amanda Peet. <laughs> she's me. She's, she's incredible. Amanda Peet is hot. Yeah. Like she's uh, she's absolutely gorgeous, and um, I know like John Cusack. He's again. This is. I feel like this is definitely his prime. Oh, um, no, I think he's in he's terms curdled, of in my mind. He what? I think he's curdled. Like, I think this is like post prime John Cusack. Oh, really? You think so? Mm-hmm. You think, yeah, I mean, like, there was American Sweetheart. Prime. Sorry, 
You think 90s is more, perhaps more of his history? Yeah, crime? I think of John Cusack, it's 80s, 90s. Uh, it's not like Well, I don't on. think of 80s almost at all, um, honestly, really? because, I mean, sure he was not say anything, but I associate him like better off dead. But I associate him as far as like 80s movies. Sweet Sixteen, not Sweet Sixteen. What's it called? Um, he, he does like a lot of. He does a handful of supporting roles in '80s movies with movies that are more iconic. Like he was in Sixteen Candles and a very itty bitty supporting role, um, things like that. But uh, well, his first one was The Sure Thing, which was like his starring one with Rob Reiner. Yeah, like that was '85. Well, yeah, he like I don't really so I don't like consider like his strongest candles, roles yeah. as popular or iconic roles from the '80s. I'd 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 love to disagree. I think, like, to say anything, like, I think, like, that was one like 80 or Stand by Me, like, Better Off Dead, The Sure Thing, Sixteen yeah. Candles. These are all big, these are big okay, but Sixteen Candles, he had like one speaking role. He's barely, yeah, but I'm saying, like, these are like the big, like, I don't know how many of the other ones I associate John Cusack with these yeah. later ones in the 90s. Well, John Cusack in the nineties, we got Gross Point Blank. We got um, we got again. We have being John Malkovich. High Fidelity was two thousand. This was the year two thousand, um, which was right there, obviously. Um, Thin Red Line. He was in Anastasia. I mean, I'm, I'm, saying that. I'm not disagreeing with you that he was in movies in the nineties and two thousands. I'm just saying, like, I think eighties is a totally he, acceptable place to like also put John Cusack, and I think like he, he hit a sort of. I think he, I think he started curdling around this period of time. People might disagree with me, but like this was sort of like the 2001 to 2003. He's like hitting a or 2001. I feel like he's hitting his peak, like 2001, 2002, and then yeah, 2003. I feel like he's this is sort of like the beginning of the end for him. That's the muscle of dogs, which was so much trying to be like one of those. You've got mail. You got the 1408, which I also really didn't like around then. I didn't love like. I didn't love you anything. Didn't I think it's hot tub time machine. Like I feel like all this starts sliding down. 2012. These all start sliding down for me. I I really well some of his uh, later 2000 movies again adaptation was the year 2000. I, I really like he's Martian just playing Child. himself in some archival footage. Yeah. He's not like in it. Yeah. Like, he's oh okay. Um, yeah. Martian Child. I really thought liked that little drama. 14 Array is one of my favorite adaptations of um, Stephen King adaptations personally. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, he was like he, he. I mean, he was in like the Butler. I remember he played one of the presidents. So like Lyndon B. Johnson. And my friend who uh, directed right. that, uh, or wrote it, um, Danny Strong, who just did that show Dope Sick on Hulu, had mm -hmm. a bunch of like war stories from said about how awful it was to work with John Cusack. I think Cusack also started developing this like craziness, like one of those celebrity craziness things where he just started becoming a real diva on set, and people just didn't want to work with him anymore. I mean, honestly, that happens for a lot of them once they get to that point where it's it's more about money rather than actual commitment to a role or film, that kind of thing. But I watching this movie, I do feel like I, I think his role in particular, like you said, it's it's real it's it kinda it kinda feels like he was kind of phoning it in. However, I do feel like he He, I mean, like him playing this, playing the role, this de kind of detective, retired. Not, I can't remember if he was retired or he stepped away, but he, but he ended well, up. I remember the story. Like, why wow. he's not a, why he's not a cop anymore? I don't think he was a detective. He was a cop. Oh, okay. you're right. I, I, I consider detectives cops, though, personally. But, 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 but not all cops. But are not like the traditional cop. They were for the police. But specifically, he was a cop and not a detective because he's he's not a detective. Like his thing was that he was a beat cop who found a woman who was dying of AIDS and she was on the roof of something. And he was he was like she was like, why should I bother living in this mm -hmm. world? It's so horrible. And he's like, because um, your family and loved ones will miss you. But he like waited too long to say that, and she saw the hesitancy on his face, and then she decided to uh, jump off the roof. So then he didn't want to be a cop anymore, which is, you know, fair enough. I think that's a moment of realization where you realize maybe I don't want to be a cop because this isn't the right job for helping save people's lives. That's a totally valid reason to not want to be a cop anymore. Uh, becoming a limo driver is a weird choice because that's just going to put you in the front lines of even like harder people to deal with. Sometimes it's but once you clock out, you're out. You know what I mean? It's a very temporary mindset to have. Um, also kind of interesting to see. I was very surprised to see Ray, Ray, sorry, Ray Liotta in this playing again, another 
cop or non-cop kind of situation and um, we're returning after also collaborating with him from a cop land a few years prior so that was kind of a welcome return mm-hmm. yeah i think that uh we like we said earlier with coplin ridley Ona only plays cops or criminals that's the only things that ridley Ona knows how to play he can play cop or he can play criminal and so maybe he's doing both which yeah. is fun for him he got to, by the way, he got to do both with with literally zero changes to his acting style or choices. Like he's mm-hmm. a cop and he's the criminal, mm-hmm. and neither of them have distinct personalities mm-hmm. from each other, let alone from anyone else in this movie who are all supposed to be separate, distinct personalities. Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of funny you say that because I remember asking once we were we did Copland, I actually asked and put in like the generals chat. I was asking them. I was like, guys, I can't think of any movie where he doesn't play either a cop or a criminal and they're talking about oh heartbreakers i'm like he becomes a con man that's a that's a criminal that's That's really a criminal there was they ended up like listing like a few um but i was like so we're having we're down like 60 to (laughs) one that's what i'm hearing yeah yeah. um i feel like andy garcia also does not play uh anything except a cop or a criminal um, I, often um get, I guess I guess yeah, the, I guess yeah, the he's open movie, definitely but... a, a big one, but I mean, like, like technically, he's not a criminal yet in, in the movies, but like he kind of is. He's like a dirty guy. Yeah, but he you can be a scumbag and not be a criminal. Um, well, I remember he goes he, to jail, right? What doesn't he go to jail in one of the ocean movies? And like the third one, does he come no, back? No, not oh. well, not no, he doesn't. Um, in the first one, he is like the owner of the. He is dating Tess. Uh, played by Julia Roberts and he's the owner of, or runs the casino. Essentially. He never actually go, he never goes to jail. He's just a scumbag and he's just in it for the money, which who isn't. And why else would you be in casinos for the love of it? Like, like like exactly. Knowing like, no, but he's never technically being a criminal. I thought he was involved with some illegal enterprises. I guess I'm not. Mm -hmm. Or if he, I mean, if I mean like, he, again, he's in for some scummy shit, but who isn't if you're if you're involved in? Um, I mean, it's not even scummy to be like, I love money. I'm working at a casino. I mean, that's this is sort of an under theme here too. That like, you know, these people are also concerned with Amanda Pete being a whore. And we're like, what does that mean? Isn't she like a dancer? Like, is she like an actual prostitute? Wait, yeah. Um, as far as I know, she was a prostitute. Um, she. She is a prostitute because you have that scene in particular where she's like putting whipped cream on a man and he's tied down to the bed and she's like, happy birthday to you. And that makes sense because of what we find out, which is just she's another component of somebody's personality, which again, like that can be a facile thing, right? Like it's like, that's what like a serial killer thinks a a prostitute's personality is comprised of just putting whipped cream on a guy. And so that works because it's so one dimensional that it works. But like, I do. Oh, I do want to correct Ryan here, but he is a man who was conned in Heartbreakers, but he ends up becoming a con man by the end of the movie. He ends up being... So he's both. It's a whole thing. I think it sounds like Ryan's also seen the movie. I think he's saying he's a con con and con man. I love me because he goes down to Maxwell. I talked about yesterday on my Succession uh, show yesterday. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it. I mean, Igby Goes Down is one of the best. It really cemented uh, uh, Bat Culkin as the best one, Kieran. I really want to watch that's not on the movie. I really need. I really want to watch the TV show, but I feel like there's so much stuff I need to watch before I even touch Succession. I mean, Succession's great. You is also out for its third season. There's a lot of shows that are out right now, so get on well, it, people. That's true. That's true. I'm, I just started watching You earlier today. Actually, so good. It's a bit, the the book series that it's based on is incredible as well. Yeah, I've heard nothing um, but good things. Uh, but it's concerning when I've seen so many people on Twitter being like, "Oh my gosh, Joe is so sexy." And yeah, I'm but like, even no. like I think people understand. Like, uh, yeah, no, oh no, absolutely. But I've also heard people say unironically, and I'm like. You're kidding. Yeah, but even Netflix released a tweet saying Penn Bagley is attractive. Joe exactly. Well, listen, that's what I thought initially, but they're like, oh, stalk me. And I'm like, no. Yeah, no. well, look, people's taste are people's taste. You can't, like, you can't make art just being like, well, what if someone takes this the wrong way? The message yeah. of you is pretty clear, which is like, that's yes. gross. But moving on back to this movie, which doesn't have a message one way or another, uh, what did we think about the reveal mm-hmm. that it's, I guess, the twist within a twist, which is like the, it was the kid who did it but again like did yeah, what because the birds are not committed in real time the real life he's just killing off other personalities of himself 
The stakes yeah. here are very strangely low. A whole lot of spoilers. That was something I did not expect. It was definitely a twist within a twist within a twist. I did not expect multiple the the multiple personalities. I I, I really um I thought it was kind of a, a lazy way to go about um, to use mental illness as a reason why a crime happened or a potential crime happened, which is really frustrating. But I get it for the movie whatever but that on top of it being the personality that is the kid that ends up being the serial killer personality a twist, uh and we we came into this when we were dealing with january man mm-hmm. in order for it to be an effective twist i feel like you have to have broadcasted some of the information to make it like something that is in part guessable or in part like oh if we had followed the clues we had paid attention we would have noticed this and this and this problem with mm-hmm. this movie is that, like no there's no clues that would have led you back to like the five-year-old being the killer um even once we realize that like they're all just facets of one guy's personality because we're not told anything beyond he has multiple personalities for like the reason why he did any of the killings like you said like it's a really weird portrayal of mental illness, illness here but not mental illness in and of itself as being the yes. reason why he killed mental illness mm-hmm. being the mitigating factor for why he shouldn't be put to death which is mm-hmm. that he wasn't aware of his crimes because he has multiple personality disorder. Okay. But like, why within that as his personalities going around killing each other and like in staging these elaborate tableaus and what does it mean yeah. if he kills everybody and he's just left with one personality, does that mean he no longer has multiple personalities? Does he just have single personality disorder? Single personality of an eight year old kid. Or he's, he doesn't have multiple personalities or it's just the one personality. Period. Okay, like, I know that, that. like, yeah. We don't even have that term anymore, I don't think. We don't consider it multiple personality anymore. We call it um, we call it a disassociated personality disorder because it's it's not really oh. like a sense of discrete like certain people in your head. It's just like this, it's I think a liminal sort of understanding of yourself versus other ideas, concepts, voices that you hear that are feel like they're not your own. So it's like I think it's disassociative personality disorder now, unless I'm completely mistaken. But yeah, this is a really mm-hmm. facile understanding Mm -hmm. of what even having a mental disorder looks like or would be like like it's not like a little play that you set up where characters go around doing stuff or else like you wouldn't be you'd be so busy like having that out that you wouldn't actually be living in the real world any of the time like you wouldn't be functioning and doing stuff i don't think maybe that's i mean that's one of the major points at least if um if you go by movies like glass or split where that is exactly the case where he's the the main person who's the main person is is not Mm -hmm. actually within his own mind necessarily and in control of his body it's actually one of his like 23 personalities that is actually in control of his body right well i guess my question is who is in control of this guy's body most of the time because all the personalities are so busy fighting with each other well that's like that's not something i was a little curious about because because to me this is like i mentioned I, I i rated it personally three out of five stars just because again the the thriller aspect i thought it was like very aesthetically it was very cool i thought uh some of the individual performances were really fun i was like i was like amanda peach forever love you but um but that was like one of the things that i really was surprised that it wasn't great the writing and how jostled it was um i like i i don't want an origin story I feel like too many movies like this are are supposed are trying to be allude to an origin story. I don't want that shit. But I, I I would have liked to see a little more organization when it comes to a thriller like this, when it's all about these different personalities and f- fighting over dominance. What we're hearing is a is a Squid Game scenario for uh, who gets to be in charge of this dude's body. And the winner in this case is a eight-year-old boy who is homo- homicidal, but for no reason, no discernible reason, is he homicidal or like that he decided to get homicidal this one night that everyone showed up. Like, what is this kid's motivation for killing anybody? And like, where was he? What was he hiding in the back of Amanda Pete's pretend car? You can be sociopathic. I mean, that's a thing. Yeah, you can be sociopathic, but considering this kid would have had to take control of this adult man's body the main personality and then like we watch him do a killing both simultaneously within his head with an axe as a kid and outside of his head as uh the adult man with uh strangulation and you're just like wait aren't you distracted like isn't that confusing like if you're doing both strangulation and an axe murder simultaneously how's that even like translate like from from reality to your brain like what do you what do you think you're seeing 
or doing. I don't know. This almost makes a good case for the fact that he is not able to uh, distinguish between reality and fiction. I know he's both doing murders in both of them, but he's doing different kinds of murders as different people. It's weird. I, I do think, well, well, honestly, I assumed that would be the case, honestly, what? because I was, I thought it would be, he's, the kid is not the only murderer, murder, murderous personality, because I thought the Gary Busey's son killer guy was also. He, Gary Busey didn't kill anyone. Uh, well, they say he's a killer, but honestly, I think it's, it's um, Ray Liotta who's the killer. Well, I mean, like, but either way, I mean, like, he definitely he's definitely set up to be some kind of crystal well, well, yeah, yeah. well here's the thing. i think they're they might be criminals or killers but it doesn't really matter because they're made up so they don't it doesn't they never really went to jury or were court of law for anything yeah. i think the, a point here is that only one of the personalities is so sociopathic that they, they could have committed the heinous kind of crime that uh this guy is being put away and put to death for right like Ray Liotta might have killed a couple people in the, again, like this imaginary Ray Liotta might have imaginarily killed some imaginary other people, but only the kid could commit acts of atrocity that are so intense mm -hmm. that it would lead to this kind of death penalty case for the adult man whose body he's taking over. Yeah. Because none of these people existed before they just did that night. Like they exist only for the realm, I think, of like, you know, um, Alfred Molina, like Alfred Molina talks about having had him as a patient and knowing one of the personalities, but it looks like these guys haven't been around for very long. Like, I don't know when the fracture happened. Did the fracture happen after the murders? Is that what Ray Liotta's, I mean, is that what uh, Alfred Molina's Or does he always have that mentality? I don't know. I don't know. It's like sort of implied that like, his mom did something to him and that's why he is the way he is, but the mom dies immediately within this scenario if he is the kid. Well, actually, I, like, I thought that he kind of planned the death of his I mean, that's mom. what I'm trying to show you at the yeah. end, but that also makes yeah. no sense. Like, how did he plan yeah. for his mom to get hit by a fucking well, he, he see, well, he doesn't, I don't think he, I think he, like, he doesn't, like, plan for a car. Well, actually, it's very hard. Well, in, it, well in, his, in this mind, he kind of does. I mean, he's in, he's in control of this, he's in more control of the situation than, than, he kind of lets on. And so he's he's one that brings, he's like, hey mom, oh, let's have this kilo a little bit. And, and then due to his control of the whole situation, he ends up like finding a way to run her over. But again, it's an imaginary car with an imaginary mom. Exactly. He, he, he well, so, the argument, but like he like can up whatever he wanted. Well, do you remember the movie Lars and the Real Girl? Yeah. Okay, so in Lars and the Real Girl, obviously, they, his his girlfriend is a doll, is a sex doll. and But he gets to a point where he's like, the doll is sick. The doll must be on the verge of death and everything. And the doctor's like, it's a doll, but if you're saying it's sick, it's because in your mind, you're, you're thinking it's sick and it's time to die soon. Therefore, you think it's ready for her to go away. You're done with this situation in theory right now. And yeah. so so you're in control of this situation regarding your relationship with this sex doll. Now, with this, I think the little boy in his mind is having a similar situation where it's manipulating a lot of the situations and he and he's manipulating this battle royale situations, like Ryan's saying, battle royale of this motel. With all the personality. I think that works. I think that as I, I like that read because as an end result, yeah, what he's trying to do is convince mm -hmm. this room full of people that he is um that he is not a threat, that he has some good left in his exactly. personality, that he's not aware of what he's doing. So in order to do that, he has to like one of the other personalities he to take control to, for a little while. And he has to make himself appear as weak as possible while also being protected <coughs> protected as much as possible. Yeah, because he's Which about he to be executed. Entire executed. Time. So right? damn cold. He has to be well, he has to be specifically he's about to be executed like the next day. He's being the 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 judge is being dragged out of bed for like a last moment stay of execution. They're trying to make the case, and the case is that this guy is too unaware of what's going on with reality to uh to stand trial or to, to go through with the execution. And even though the judge has already weighed in on the case. 
And he's like pissed about it. He's like, okay, I guess I'll hear you out since I'm already out of bed. And I guess the argument that they were only able to make with this one thing that happens, which is John Cusack coming to his senses for a minute, realizing who he is or realizing what he's done, realizing he's just a part of some guy's like, you know, multiple personality disorder. That's enough for them to be like, okay, I guess he's innocent or like not innocent, but I guess he deserves to be in a mental institution instead of put to death. Like, how would that do anything other than prove that like uh, no, uh, somewhat aware of sometimes? So I, the, the idea behind it is that they're not trying to prove that he is innocent, that he is too sick essentially where that was a situation. No, that's not the case. The, that's not what they're trying to argue. They're trying to argue that they, he, he has all these personalities. However, the one that's the killer is not going to be present anymore. Therefore, it would be unjustly to kill him because that personality is not there anymore. So, yeah, but how are they proving it? Like, are they watching? Are they watching the same movie? Are they watching, how, like, is he acting out the deaths? Like, how do they know what's going on in his head while it's going? Well, that's on? something like, how I'm do they really know because I that's something I was a little disappointed that wasn't elaborated all that much more. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's what I kind of got the gist. Because, I mean, like, even at the very end of the movie where we see him, um, where he's kind of singing to himself, like, it was it was a lyric from a Johnny Cash song, which is really funny because he later does the Johnny Cash biopic coming to you next week. <laughs> and mm-hmm. he, um, is so, but he's kind of, like, humming to himself, um, from both personalities, mm-hmm. essentially. So he's acting out the death, potential death of one character, but also also acting out a the, totally separate death by killing yeah. a totally separate person and like who's yeah, in as like well a, as the as as well as the the killer in that situation. I just think like if they're watching this from the outside and he's just acting this out like a little drama play, they'd be so confused because none of the people have different voices. Like, what is he doing to like distinguish any of this? I'm so confused about like whether this guy should actually be held to guilt if like what we're seeing is the inside of his head and he's not aware of what's going on. Like it seems like so confusing. And I don't know how you would like argue that the the bad personality got killed off. Like none of it's real. So like, no. John Cusack could pop up from the dead because he was never really alive. Like it's so crazy. Mm-hmm. What yeah. is still moving? Absolutely. It was it was very jarring at points it really really was something i thought was really i was very happy about is that watching this movie i was very surprised and delighted by is that this is a very tight one hour and 30 minute psychological thriller and i was like and i love movies that are tight that don't really have excess scenes extra fluff and everything um, but this movie, it, it went there and I respect the fuck out of that. And, but I was very surprised watching it though, after knowing the time and I was all excited and I was like, well, now I kind of feel like I missed a bunch of stuff. <laughs> I'm kind of lost. So I kind of wonder if it would have actually benefited from like an extra 15, 20 minutes of scenes or whatnot. No. I know, but that's why that's why I'm like confused. I'm like, was there a scene that was that where it was like from the judge and the lawyer's point of view, or no? Because that would just make the whole thing like fall apart. Like the problem here isn't that they like thought this too well out and then decided to remove the parts that would have like kept it held together. The part is like the point is it was all like a it was like a magic trick. So like the part that is is keeping you from knowing what's going on was the part that was meant to like. Yeah, the part that you were meant to look at. Like, you were supposed to be distracted by this stuff. There was nothing else going on. There was nothing that you could have seen that would have made this movie make more sense because it makes sense. It's just dumb and bad. I do know they filmed, like, five or six alternate I doubt that any of them were, like, like exploring what it looks like from the outside perspective. But maybe I'm That's what I'm kind of wondering. I'm kind of curious about what the endings were because even the actors weren't entirely sure what was going to be actually added to the final film. Well, also because like the, watching that would be silly for us audience members. Like we would, again, cause they don't distinguish between the voices. They don't distinguish between the characters enough. We wouldn't, and by the way, by the time we would be seeing this would have to be post John Cusack realizing he's the guy. And by that part, you're down to like what, three people? 
three or four like characters. There's like nobody left. There's what there's um Leota, Amanda Pete, yeah. the kid who you're not supposed to know till the very, very end, and Cusack. So that's like four people left alive. I was very um I was actually kind of very disappointed with um, the use of Amanda P. I thought I was like very her, her character in particular was a little underwritten. Um, Cause she's really, so really. I mean, at this point, I'm like about to give up on James Mangold. I know we did girl interrupted last week, and that was for, pretty good. As far like, as like for a few, James Mangold as well as a director, as a writer, as a writer, I think of as a writer of female characters. I'm like been pretty disappointed so far on like his offering you count on girl interrupted in that thing girl interrupted with the yeah. exception of girl interrupted which is based on somebody else's work yeah i feel like his original writing of female characters has been pretty like ugh. he as far as I, I i saw i mean from what i remember he was he did have a writing credit for the script i'm just saying with a girl interruption a girl interrupted aside i've been very disappointed with his <laughs> female characters just you wait oh god it's gonna be fun going into some movies later on <laughs> including you know, walk the line got Reese Witherspoon to uh, Oscar right like that's supposed to be great yeah yeah I was gonna say uh he has like oh yeah Reese Witherspoon Daphne Keene from Logan has uh I think he's definitely one of my favorite uh female characters uh in superheroes period I think she's really interesting but we're gonna go into that later on when obviously when we cover the movie as well um okay so we're we're into 45 minutes into this into this general analysis what are your how would you recommend this movie or would you not recommend this movie i've recommended this movie before to like do as a watch along with um tom and like uh his patreon before because i'm like this movie is so bad like let's all watch it together and like make fun of how terrible it is um so like i would recommend it in that way like in a mystery science theater way but like in a real way this movie is like trash i think it's like a classic piece of modern trash like i think it is a truly terrible piece of filmmaking i did not know it was james mangold going into it like uh when i uh, you know when i looked through the films of james mangold this is kind of the ones where i'm like this is why i think he got like a schizophrenic well not schizophrenic but he has a very like eclectic Kind of like a, a pile of films when you look at his filmography because this movie it does not fit with like Logan or Girl Interrupted or Walk the Line like it's just so out of left field or King mm-hmm. Leopold. Hmm? <laughs> I was like I felt a creeping up <laughs> like uh, and at the end of your talk and I was like I do not want to talk in the middle when I'm about to sneeze no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah i definitely agree with you to a certain extent this is it's just it just really shows to me that we can't assume that he's gonna be great we also can't assume that because he has a great cast it's gonna be a great movie yeah between this and kate leopold and uh um yeah i feel like i'm just really like what are you doing, man? Like, I don't know. If, like, if I if I knew they were both by the same guy that year, I might have never seen one of his films ever again. I would have been like, these are two pieces of like garbage films. Yeah, it's it's gonna get. I I do think something to remember is that, is that people tend to create characters they're more familiar with, or they're just more comfortable with writing and so let's be honest i mean he's probably not super familiar or comfortable writing about complicated female characters he just did girl directed you'll say no absolutely but like you said he didn't originally he didn't create that those characters that is a biopic that is an autobiography but you said that he Uh, got a writing credit yeah i mean he did get a writing credit absolutely but you said but it's not an original character i mean it's not an original story of a complicated female character now again i now that's not to say he can't write female characters let alone female complicated female characters but sometimes it can definitely make it more difficult for him like i would um like i like now that's not to say any man can't write complicated female characters because that's absolutely not true a lot of um writers and directors and everything can make really great 
movies and scripts and everything based off complicated uh, female characters like we were talking about earlier with Ari Aster and Midsommar. Absolutely. But it's, uh, it's sometimes for some people, it's just more difficult than what they're used to doing. Yeah. And I guess traditional my point is like, and it's difficult for characters. me to watch those directors. <laughs> is, I yeah, guess like, doing they, more, you're saying it's like not a fault of theirs, but like, that's fair. Like, it's not their fault. But like, yeah, I also they're just not, they're not comfortable with it. They're not used to it. And so it's, and so I we can't like really be surprised. Well, like if, like, if, if, I, if I, you do, if you're not comfortable writing female characters, then you know what? Like, cool, stick to Copland and like make Copland movies because those are good then. Yeah, I'm actually honestly not think about it. I'm really kind of surprised he doesn't do more movies like Copland. Yeah, I mean, well, I think like when he goes to Logan and stuff like that, that's the kind of like dude kind of movie. Although she's a great character, like you mentioned, she's a great character in it. So I don't know, man. Like, I don't know. Like, I guess, yeah, you could say that he's just not comfortable doing it and we can't hold that against him. But I guess my point is like, I don't have to like it like particularly either. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um. So I don't know. Yeah, it's it's, it's a toughie. This be, even before I knew it was James Mangolder that we'd be covering it, this has like been one of my least favorite movies like of all times that I've ever saw in theaters. Like I was angry having seen this in theaters. I when I like a month or so ago when I put up on Twitter, hey, what's your favorite movie directed by James Mangold? A majority of the time it was Logan. There was some Ford v Ferrari. A handful of Copland, but a lot of identity. So this movie, it definitely resonates for a lot, a lot of people. Even some people in this chat, really. You know, they've uh, they even mentioned um, even Maxwell Haddad even put down this. This one was one of my favorite batshit twists as well. And even Andres Gallego um, put down, ah, oh, this is a good one. And so it definitely resonates. And I know Jake Giacobetta put in, I love this movie. So it definitely resonates with a certain group of people. So that's what I'm kind of curious why it does resonate with them. Well, it sounds like it kind of resonated with you. I, I guess this is, you know, this, this is the name of the show, right? Cinema Bias. We all have our certain yeah. things we bring into show. I, I don't like cheap twists. I think they like are corny. And I like this mm -hmm. period of time had a lot of movies that had a lot of these like cheap, twist thing reveals and I thought they were like broadcast terribly in part because of the marketing and in part because they just weren't particularly good films like you can't write a film with compelling characters if you're writing just for the ooh let me see how I can get you like like the the big reveal it's almost <laughs> like uh, Malignant is kind of like that I like Malignant a lot but Malignant kind of had that where like the characters and the dialogue really suffered from like the fact that they wanted to have this big sort of reveal near the end and i feel like yeah I, I personally it's just not my cup of tea i was i remember being like in high school seeing this movie or i guess right at college right so yeah 2002 i would have been in college 2003 i saw this movie and i was like angry like after having seen it like i was pissed all day that like i had my money taken to like get told that story mm -hmm. yeah it's definitely uh frustrating situation to be in when you pay money for a movie that is not just a letdown or it's like not just a movie that you don't like or prefer because i feel like e even when you put money towards a movie that's just not your cup of tea you're like i can still i i, I guess i guess i i understand what it is what it's going for and everything but it's just not good when it's very very frustrating um yeah i know and that's happened to me a handful of times um where I, or especially if you want to like it, or like I remember watching Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Mm, it's, it's it's horrible. The thing is, I love Jane Austen adaptations. I love. I actually have a lot of fun with the book. It's. I think it's. I. That's like. It's a really cool idea. I think uh, it's like having this kind of uh, Pride and Prejudice fan fiction situation with zombies and vampires and stuff like that. I think it's a cool premise, um, but it was so badly done. And I was like, Matt Smith, uh, a lot of these really great actors. I love Lena Headey. What the fuck are you doing in here? Killing it. And then I watch it and I'm like, oh, it's trash. Oh God, it's so bad. Mm -hmm. So bad. <laughs> it's very frustrating. Um, but yeah, it's, 
I guess everyone has movies like that where just where you're pissed. Yeah. They spend money on it. Uh, yeah, this movie just pissed me off. I, I do. I didn't look it up. It was based on loosely based off an Agatha Christie story called And Then There Were None, um, mm. which, of course, does not reveal to be a multiple uh, identity thing. Uh, but it is there's 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 just a lot like that kind of speaks to how I think this movie has like very high concept of itself, but then also just like a really silly execution. Um, mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I guess if you're going to have disassociative identity disorder be a major plot point in your movie, maybe a consider what it's going to feel like or like what it's going to look like to people to watch a whole movie and realize like the best, part, like not the best part, but like the part of that makes identity, dis- multiple personality disorder interesting as a plot device is not that you see these people as discrete human beings who are going through like their own worlds who don't really have that much to, in common with each other. It's that you see one actor doing a lot of different performances. So I'd like, I would, I would have just made that as like my major note for this question. Yeah. Question. Okay. Take this movie, this premise of the movie and put it in the hands of a different director. I don't know. If the, like, that's the thing though. He wrote the movie. He co-wrote the movie. So yeah, no, absolutely. Okay, that say that like another director would be comfortable taking on such a silly script yeah. idea. I think like another director might've been like, and I guess if we want to do this, maybe we should just come up with a different idea. If you want to have like a serial killer stalking these guys and they um, have like a mystery between us, then like, well, yeah, let's do that. But I don't want the reveal to be that they all have disassociative de- or they're all facets of an identity disorder, in which case you'd have a different movie. I actually I kind of think that, that. I, I think it would be kind of interesting to see Hitchcock take on a role movie like this. Now, I, I think that it's I think he's great with ensemble cast See, that would be like watching psycho yeah. from the perspective of norman bates's mom right like it'd be watching like psycho from the other sure. perspective i'm into that yeah i can totally get get behind that though i think that'd be interesting but i mean i i think hypothetically it could have been this movie would definitely need polished this movie i feel like would need better writing uh so actors that probably don't phone it in <laughs> Yeah, this is also the thing. It's like in terms of the directing, like most of this movie's fault, I would say, lies with the writing. But then the directing is like not that interesting either. Like it's just it's, like well, a thing, that's why I think it's an interesting premise, but the actual execution yeah. of the uh, of the movie itself is definitely lacking. Mm-hmm. And I think it, in the hands of a different, the premise being given in the hands of a different director, a different writer, I think would have been much more interesting to see. Honestly. Mm-hmm. But we will never know. Guys, if you are a fan of this movie, I'm kind of curious to hear your opinions and why do you love it? How did you, uh, what did you think of this episode? I'm kind of curious. So please let us know. So I just want to tell you real quick the name of these characters in case you couldn't get it. It's a hotel run by Larry Washington. Uh, the cop is Ed Dakota. There's Car- uh, Caroline Suzanne, the actress. Officer Rhodes. Uh, Robert Maine, the convict, Paris Nevada, the sex mm-hmm. worker, and newlyweds, Lou and Gina Eilina. Mm-hmm. Izina. And the New York family, George, Alice, and their nine-year-old son, Timmy. Oh, and the York family. Yep. And the York family. Yikes. They're new. Uh, I can't figure out the newlyweds. Lou and Gina Eilina or Izina. Oh, Louisiana. I get it. Ginny, Louisiana. Louisiana. Easyana is their last name. I mean, come on. This movie. Come on. That's that's the writing. That's the writing. Again. First of all, that's the writing. I, I do kind of wonder if Mangold was kind of going for corniness to it. I don't think so. I don't think like, he's going for corniness. I, there's not a lot, again, there's not a lot like, of characters. I like to think that they are very intentional with shit like that. And I, and you again. Did it up? Did you? Like, what? it's not intentional to the point that the people are picking up. They don't say their last names a lot. It's only at the reveal that you find out, like, what people's last names are. It's so dumb. Yeah, I know. I know. I, again, I like to think that it was made to be, to a certain extent, kind of a callback to, to like, classic corniness or something. I don't know, man. I'm trying here. I'm trying to make excuses for our man, James Mangold, as we go into our movie for next week, which is Walk the Line, the Oscar-winning biopic yeah. from... Did the two thousands? It's like two thousand five. Uh, 
Final word on this. Roger Ebert gave it three out of four stars, which is too many stars, but he does have a good line about it, which is, yeah. I've seen a lot of movies that are intriguing for the first two acts and then go on autopilot with the formula ending. Identity is a rarity, a movie that seems on autopilot for the first two acts and then reveals that it was not, with the third act that causes us to rethink everything that's gone before it. Kind of, not really. Um, ingenious how simple and yet how devious the solution is. Not super. I don't agree with that last part, but I do agree that it does seem like it's only not on auto autopilot for the last part. What's that going for? Mm -hmm. Oh, I was also reminded. Uh, what was the name? Her name. Uh, you said she she was also in Girl Interrupted. What's her name? Uh, Rebecca. Uh, sorry, who? The girl. She was in Girl Interrupted, but she was also. Oh, I'm not not Claire Danes. What's her name? Uh, yeah, no, he. Uh, what's her name? I forget her name. I know who you're thinking of though. It is mm -hmm. um, uh, where is she? Clea Duvall. She annoyed the fuck out of me in this movie. <laughs> I like her. I like her and everything. She's great. I I, was yeah. like, I love her as an actress, but mm -hmm. in this movie in particular, I was like, fuck. Well, all the women in this movie are act like they're very stupid. Like the, the, she's particularly played up like she's dumb, uh, which is not absolutely. No, yeah, it was no, absolutely. Oh, um, somebody else uh, wrote in the in the one of the other uh, criticisms of this movie is this is a movie that Donald that would give Donald Kaufman pause, and Donald Kaufman is of course the character in Adaptation, played by. Nicholas Cage, the brother of the main character, the twin brother of the main character, who has an idea for a movie that's so dumb because it's about a cop uh, who is chasing a serial killer who has abducted a woman, and the twist is they're all the same person. And very famously, Nick Cage has a thing where he's like, "How would you even? How was that? How would you do? How would you even show that?" And the guy's like, a "Trick editing." He's like, "No, that's not what I'm asking. I'm not. I'm not asking that. I'm asking how would you?" And he can't even like find the words to frame like how stupid it would be to follow a movie in which the cop, the main chick, and the killer were all the same person. But I mm -hmm. guess that is just what this movie is. That's what this movie is. It's the trick editing. Mm -hmm. Trick editing. It happens a lot of movies. I know Ryan Payne actually put in the in the chat. I actually like the I actually like the twist. It made well, the like this movie. a little bit better. Mm -hmm. so. People are allowed to have their feelings about this. I just, you know, this is called Cinema mm -hmm. Bias for a reason. I'm very I'm, biased towards thinking this movie is trash. It is literally, that's like what makes me mad about it. It is literally that scene from Adaptation that like calls out, which is how would you have a movie, like watching that would be inherently uninteresting. If we're watching a movie in which just one guy is chasing himself around to find like himself, like it's just, it's silly. We're just all watching it through someone's head. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it would be interesting or not so interesting for sure. We are going to be wrapping it up here in a hot minute. So if you have any questions or big thoughts about identity, thoughts anyone else want to come on and defend identity stands, go ahead. Regarding this movie or any of James Mangold's movies that we've covered, such as Heavy, Girl Interrupted, Kate Leopold, or fuck it, any of his other movies, we would like to hear and want just want to know some of your favorites from the movies that he's written and or directed. And I do have to say, I'm excited for Walk the Line. I've never seen it. I, I heard that if you've seen the Dewey Cox story, it kind of ruins watching movies like Walk the Line. But uh, <laughs> it, it, so, it so nails the tropes of those movies. But it, I'm, I'm excited to watch it anyway. I have never seen it before. It, Dewey Cox, I feel like, is one of um, the more perfect uh, movies, spoof movies. And not only just because it is... It's performed with such joy, <laughs> but it's also written and directed and performed by people that know this genre so well. And it's the cast is so perfect. I mean, you got what's his face from the White Stripes playing Elvis, and you're like, hey, yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, and then we go to guy catch you the yeah, and it's just like, what's happening? <laughs> it is so perfect. I need to rewatch that movie. I, I haven't. I feel like I haven't seen don't, it. Don't please either. don't watch. <laughs> don't don't watch it. I'll watch it after I watch Lock the Line. Mm -hmm. Please do. Please do. I would love to hear your reaction. So. Okay. Well. Okay, guys. I think that'll wrap up uh, tonight's episode. Um, sorry. I feel like I feel like my thoughts about identity were so polarizing. But you gotta say what you gotta say on on here on Cinema Bias. Uh, Alex, where can people find you? Guys, guys, you can find me on Twitter at real Al underscore Alex Mac. You can also find me occasionally doing stuff with the Call to Action podcast as well. But most of these days, you know, I'm just trying to hit my goal of 300 
movies in a year and i have Ooh. not cracked 200 i'm at one i just finished 195 today oh, no. oh i i don't know i i it's not i don't think it's gonna be possible for me to hit 100 movies in less than like three months well you gotta you gotta pick up the pace girl you gotta pick up really short movies i can't watch two three movies a day i just got the time I mean, you gotta you gotta double you gotta double up. It's just gonna be every five minutes. It's gotta be a new movie. Maybe you should I have two movies, watch more than one movie at once. No, God, I can never do that. That just sounds dizzying and uncomfortable. Um, as for me, guys, you can find me at uh, Video Drew across all social media. You can find me at Patreon.com/backslash Video Drew. Um, you can find me over at Content Candy. We have a new episode up. You can find that over at iTunes or Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, I have a new episode of Garmin Shows You up with Juan Harris, where we discuss DC fandom and the Batman and the Riddler's foam art and some other fun stuff. So go check that out. Um, we really appreciate any comments, any likes, any subscriptions. Those are all very helpful things that do not cost you a dollar. Um, also check out this channel. Yeah, leave a like, leave a subscribe, comment, whatever, what have you. Um, and for everything else, yeah, come back on Thursday when we're going to have an all new, uh, video chronic pop culture quiz on a spooky movie, TBD. Um, mm -hmm. otherwise I will see you guys later and happy identity party. Happy everyone dress up as their favorite identity character for Halloween. How about that? Be sure to um, rate us on everywhere, please. Yeah. Bye.